This episode is powered and sponsored by Fortway Media. Whether it's a special event, your wedding day, or maybe a small business looking to make an advertisement or commercial, Fortway Media is the obvious choice. They turn everyday life into a cinematic experience. When you want to capture those special moments, look no further. Stop what you're doing. Check out fortwaymedia.com. Book an appointment today and don't miss out on another chance to get what you want in front of the big screen. Whether it is expert videography or photography, Fortway Media can match exactly what you're looking for. Fortway Media is known for helping out small businesses and everyone reach their dreams. Sign up today. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling. Scene 37, take 303, mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by Four Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. I'm his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm JP Brooks. We're talking everything film and television, and today we are talking about the film from Dust Till Dawn. The way you're dressed, I'm surprised we're not talking about the real Slim Shady. Well, yeah, we're talking Eight Mile today. <laughs> but first, in cinematic news. Cinematic news. Joe, um, cinematic. Oh, sorry, I just wanted maybe a little slip shady. <laughs> cinematic nose. You, you heard? Michael Caine retires. That's the butler guy from Batman. Yes, he has been in many movies. After the Mark Wahlberg retirement, yeah. uh, I didn't see that one coming. I did see this one coming. He's like 90s. So, like, why not? Is he like Al Pacino? He's got like a wife for a little shoddy on the side, <laughs> a little 30 year old something. No. Yo, I can't even imagine Al Pacino on top of that girl. How am I going to imagine Sir Michael Caine? Yo, I not, I kind of blocked out any... I didn't stop just... She's 30, he's 82, they're having kids. I didn't think... I, I can't even... Ah, just, like, he's on top and he's on... You know, like... Michael Caine, I don't... Sir Michael Caine, that's what Sir, I'm saying. Nice to Bruce. Yeah, I don't know. Also not surprising, Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, going to star in Martin Scorsese's next movie. Somehow that became news. <laughs> that's like, come on, man. Give me some. That's like Vin Diesel, the next five, uh, Fast and Furious movie. What? No way. And then last thing in cinematic news, Avengers Secret Wars. I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently part of it is a soft reboot to the entire MCU where they're going to be able to introduce characters that have previously died or left the series. They need to let it go. The The superhero phase is over, man. You had you dominated the box office for 20 years. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it die. Nice. And they, like Endgame, once the problem, the movie's called Endgame. It's over. You know, it's like, it's finished. That's it. You can't, because how are you? Because no matter what you do after that, it's all going to be compared. Are they Iron Man? Are they Captain America? They're not. They didn't listen to us when we all groaned at the end of some of these when they're trying to make, you know, Wanda a part of a team with like Falcon. And it's like, yeah, these are our new Avengers. And it's like, we didn't really ask for that, though. Yeah. Tom Holland had the opportunity to carry the torch as Spider-Man. You would really have to build him up and then build everyone else around him, similar to the Iron Man thing. And I felt like they did that, but then because it's Spider-Man as an IP and the problems with Sony, Sony will never let a good product come out besides, you know, Naughty Dogs, whatever they make, you know. And there's a reason why people went, as many people went out to see Endgame as they did, is because, could you imagine 15 years of movies all coming to one big climactic end? Hell yeah. 
But now it's going to be like one climactic end to something that we saw like 20 movies over the course of three years. And it's just overkill. It Especially is. when you're putting out the kind of CGI now that you are. Another Avengers. Wow. But speaking of things you can get hyped about and that were in development for a long time and they kept their mouths shut when they were trying to make it. Today's episode, another Halloween uh, special. Our schedule is a little bit off. We didn't put out one. We're not going to put out one this Saturday. Uh, this will suffice as our, our weekly episode because we're going to see Killers of the Flower Moon. But for our, our episode today, From Dust Till Dawn, 1996, the original, not the TV show, not the sequels, the original, directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by Quentin Tarantino, starring Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, and Juliette Lewis. From Dust Till Dawn follows a pair of brothers who are criminals on the run. Eventually, they take a family hostage and force them to drive over the border of Mexico, and things get crazy as they pull up to a bar. And that's where we're going to leave it. And it's worth saying it's impossible to talk about this movie fully and freely without spoilers. So we're going to put a big, big spoiler on the screen right now that if you have not seen From Dust Till Dawn, one, I highly recommend it. Joe? Yeah, you should watch it. I think you need to watch it. It's a good, it's a good movie. Watch it before watching this episode because we're going to immediately spoil some of the really hard twists in this film. And if you want to do yourself uh, justice, definitely watch this movie without reading anything about it or listening to anything about it or watching trailers or anything. Just go and watch it. Especially our big fans. Like I know um, Emma and Elizabeth who like usually text me something about the show. I'm telling you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen it. You need to go watch this movie first and then come back yeah so now that you are back after watching from dust till dawn uh we're still here and uh we'll start talking about it so first initial thoughts i've seen this movie a bunch of times and nothing will compare to the first time i watched it and as we just spoke about how my dad introduces me to movies he spoiled it immediately when he was telling me what it was about but i still enjoyed the hell out of it because even if you know the twist, by the time you get to it, you've forgotten it. And you're still not expecting it when it happens. So what did you think? Because I know you haven't seen it at all. Yeah. Well, before I get to that, I just want to be, for people who don't know how Bob spoils movies, um, let's take a movie, and I'll give a spoiler. Well, we'll do the one that everyone knows, like uh, Sixth Sense. And everyone knows the famously Sixth Sense is, oh, I see dead people, like, uh, he's been dead the whole time or whatever, right? In Sixth Sense, that's the whole thing. Yeah. The way you don't spoil that movie, oh, that's the one with what's-his-face and the kid, right? They have a relationship going, yeah, that's the one. You don't end it with, oh, that's the spoiler at the end? You want to hear it? That's like, I mean, oh, Endgame, you mean where Tony Stark gets all the stones and he snaps his fingers and dies? How about just the one, where, oh, they're trying to stop, they go back in time Thanos, in yeah. that one, right? Yeah, they try to stop Thanos. Like, just say that. Okay, Bob. Anyway. Yeah, no, he starts with the spoilers. So uh how did how did you uh how did I like um I was liking the first half of the movie just as is. I was having a good time with it. And then when it takes that crazy turn, I was kind of appalled. I was kind of annoyed because I liked the first half of the movie, but I kind of like the end too, because one thing I think this movie gets right is that if you're doing a movie 
like the second half, and we can spoil it after, but if you're if you are doing like the second half, some of the problems is that it does drag because it's very simplistic. And so it's hard to get any real things out of it. So to hide all of that for the first 45 minutes of the movie and then give it to you, it does a nice job of packaging. It's it's giving you two as one package, but these are clearly two separate parts. Um but I I I can't lie, I liked it, but I, I think my problem is I like the first half better. This is what really happens when you give a solid director an amazing script to work with. And the reason I highlight that is because this is kind of like a love child between two great filmmakers. Some people don't think the second one is too great. I I think he's a legend in his own right. But um, the movie is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Do you know who he is? No. That's the guy who did Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, uh, Spy Kids, Machete. Oh, he did uh, Spy Kids? Yeah. Spy Kids is good. He became famous when he made El Mariachi, which was the, the first one in the trilogy to Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And he made it on a budget of $7,000. So he made a feature film at age 23 on actual 16 millimeter, uh, sorry, 16 millimeter film. Um, he's also a um, Latino. So it was a big thing for him to come up because that wasn't seen. Even and, now, like I would, I don't know if I could name uh, too many Latino directors. Yeah. So for him to come up pretty much out of nowhere with that little amount of money and really like, you know, showcasing his work. Oh, he also made Sin City. Mm. Yeah. A little so bit of a divisive one there, but. He's made a lot of very different projects a lot of them are grindhousey a lot of them are action films and he wrote a book it's on the famous uh bookcase behind me about how to make a movie when you have very little money very little resources and he really just did like tips and tricks on like how to speed up your process and stuff like that um he also shot it without a crew wrote directed shot edited he did everything he did the music he did the adr he did everything on his first movie and he continues that throughout his uh filmography and quinn tarantino is also one of those directors where you know every single one of his movies because he hasn't missed yet the fact that he wrote it and passed it off to robert rodriguez it really just shows what robert rodriguez can do with a really good script because the writing in the beginning is so solid his ability to establish characters to infuse comedy into scenes where you really wouldn't think it would exist. And also to really just set the pacing and set the stage for what's going to happen. The opening scene itself is such a great setup because in walks a sheriff, you're thinking it's one thing. It turns into a completely other thing. It starts getting crazy in the middle. Tensions rise. It really shows how the entire movie is going to play out where it starts off as something else becomes something entirely at the end. And, you know, it quickly rises to something crazy. Just to go back for a minute, is there, because talking about making things on a low budget, talking about Rodriguez, what's his first name? Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. Is there one tip or trick that you like live by or have used a lot that you think helps you the most? My favorite one is in-camera cuts. So um, we actually use that on Exposed. Uh, when I f had a zoom lens, I had one shot and then halfway through the scene, I zoom in and create a, a close-up shot and I don't have to, you know, redo the scene 
twice over so that way i could uh, shoot it faster that is actually does speed up but now you mentioned you do that a lot it's very good yeah you're gushing about this film because obviously quentin tarantino i know you're a big fan i was surprised that he was acting in it and by the way I don't know if Tarantino could play any other character, but if there was ever a character made for him to play, this one was great. You mean the one he wrote for himself? So that way. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I'm not like you talking about write what you know. Well, what about act what you know? Because this guy, like, he killed it. It was so good. Yeah. I also like that Tarantino is always a small part of his films. He gets knocked out of it pretty quick. So I was waiting for it. Surprised he went that long. So. Yeah, because if you think of like his cameo in Pulp Fiction or his cameo in Planet Terror, Reservoir the, Dogs. Yeah. Um, usually small parts. And what's nice about, see, what I really enjoy about some of these one off episodes that we do is that we get more time to talk about the film in the background. With the other ones, you know, we We're don't want to. Speeding through it. Yeah. Kind of speeding through it. You know, you don't want to get too far off. So it's just nice to be able to like hear some of this background stuff um cinematic news and other stuff gets to let us take a break for a little bit but i'm i'm enjoying just even talking about tarantino but this movie um so yeah this family they they get carjacked by two bank robbers and uh they're heading towards this bar where they have to wait for the bank robbers uh you know their associates to come pick them up in mexico and while they're at the bar randomly if not ramble randomly uh every most of the patrons in the bar the the staff at least um they turn into vampires because they are vampires because they are because they were yeah so what's crazy about this movie i find is like well you start off thinking this movie just could be about these brothers and you're following them and i was getting very much of mice and men vibes just between the brothers relationship right you have one that's like clearly disturbed and messed up and like you know does something does things that are not good but sometimes like you're like, but can he even control it? It's it's hard to say. And so that's Quentin Tarantino's character. And you have George Clooney's character, Seth, and he's Seth Greco. And he's clearly George this Clooney. is George Clooney, but this is I find this is like not so cool, uh, George Clooney. I actually don't think he does such a good job in the first 30 minutes of this movie. I think he's just mid. This and is I, George Clooney still figuring out who George Clooney is. And I know you love your Clooney. Well, here so here's some fun fact uh behind the scenes this is his first movie yeah that makes sense yeah makes so sense. basically he was doing um a part on er on tv yeah he becomes george clooney at the end of this movie but in the beginning of this movie he is not george clooney he's still figuring out who george clooney is and i know they don't always film in chronological order but it feels like it just because his acting gets better and better as the movie progresses who who are you impressed by quentin tarantino <laughs> I think he's great. Yeah, because you know the you know the thing about him. He loves uh feet. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of feet shots in, in his movies, and then here he is writing himself into a role where he gets to literally just drink alcohol off of Salma Hayek's uh, feet. Is that something he's come out about? Like he really He hasn't officially come out about it, but the but internet everyone, the internet yeah, has come out yeah. for him. <laughs> well, I after this, I mean if you if you if you, you know if you told... This is where he started. <laughs> This is where he started off. If I if I will, by the way, one of the funniest car scenes of all, uncomfortable and funny. I can do that for you if you want. What you said back in the hotel, like just crazy. They're swinging for the fences here. Like I'm not sure this is okay in 1999. I, I have no idea. Yeah, you were like, should I call somebody about this? I don't. Crazy. I think that girl's doing a great job. Um, whoever that is, Juliet Lewis. 
Yeah. I know her from things, but I also don't know her. She was like in Natural Born Killers and she was like in a Hallmark movie here and there. She was um one of the daughters in a National Lampoon's Vacation, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, maybe that's it. So yeah, I recognize her. I think she does a good job. I think the dad kills it. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, I, I've seen him in stuff before. He plays tough guys usually, right? Like the typical stereotypical tough guy. But I yeah. like him a lot as a dad. I actually, no offense, I think he... He's better than Clooney in this movie. I think what it boils down to is script, is that these characters are so well flushed out that it gives these actors the ability to actually do a lot with them. So you know, and as you're saying it, I know uh, you watched the movie yesterday or today? Uh, yesterday. And yet you can still name most of these characters' names. You're seeing them as characters and not necessarily as actors, even though you know the actors. Yeah. Um. So I think it's just a, a really good character study at the beginning when it goes off the rails to actually care for these characters. Because a lot of times in horror movies, you don't get that. You know, you open up with like, you know, all your teenagers and they're making out and they're, you know, smoking and drinking and, and now they're getting slaughtered. And this isn't a slasher movie either, but I feel like you really feel for these characters when they turn. And you can see where they're coming from, even in like a traditional vampire movie or a zombie movie when characters are bit and you kind of really don't care for them unless it's like something like 28 days later where there's like three characters and then like you spend a lot of time with them. Definitely. All the yeah, I agree. The far as far as, you know, getting to know these characters makes you care about them um, because when it becomes like this action horror survival film, uh, which is wild. I think the the issue with that, I think, is just the fact that the location, I know you love your one locations, but I think the location is so small that it seems just ridiculous that they have this much time to, like, protect themselves and this and that. Like, when the bats start swimming in, you can really tell that it's a movie because no way they're outrunning these bats. There's not a single way. And uh, they're definitely being played with, even, like, there's the last scene when George Clooney and Julia Lewis are like surrounded by them and they're taking their sweet ass time to like collapse. Like it definitely movies at that point. I think it's theatrical more than anything at that point. And I think what you like is the realism at the beginning. Yeah. Really enjoy the realism at the beginning, which is why, yeah, I don't like the second half as much, but I still think like the second half is good. I just like the first one better. Like the scene when George Clooney walks in and sees what he did to the hostage you don't really see it unless you press pause and you can still feel that something really bad happened in that room. And then when you see Julia Lewis and the way he's looking at her, you don't want it to happen to her. Um, So like there's a real sense of terror even before vampires show up. Yeah, it's just wild. The movie is wild is the movie is the word I would use all over the place. Humor that you didn't think would exist in such a movie. Love me some dark humor. Love me some uncomfortable. Shouldn't be laughing, but can't help but laugh. Uh, that's the kind. I mean, that's the stuff I love. This movie made me care about action, and most of the time I don't. So I actually did enjoy the end. Acting is different from character. Um, I know you said you liked Harvey Keitel the best. Yeah. Um, I always liked George Clooney, and I think Harvey Keitel at the same time. I don't know which one I would pick more over the other. But who is, like, your favorite characters? Who are your favorite characters? I may not like Clooney's performance, but I like his character a lot. I like Seth a lot. I think he's interesting. 
But no, my favorite character, not just because of the performance, uh, is is the dad. I, I think it just happens to go with it. I think if I had to give a performance, I think it's Tarantino for simply the fact that I don't ever expect it from him. So just the it goes to him for sure. And Richie's an interesting character in his own right. But the character of the dad, just being a good dad, just doing doing what a dad does, does what he has to do. I like how tough he becomes. Like he's just like, I'm going to protect my family and I'm not scared of you, Seth. Makes a very interesting, it's it's very interesting. It's not the way like most captive hostage situations I think go in movies. The robbers don't know what they're doing. They're kind of running with it. And even though they're trying to stay in control of a situation, obviously there's a lot of things out of their control. And, you know, um, through the dialogue, we've learned like, you know, Harvey Keitel's character knows how to navigate his way through certain situations and he has to back them up too. And then you even see like turns when Juliette Lewis like yells out to Tarantino to like watch out when she sees the first uh, vampire turn. So it definitely becomes a thing of like, they're all stuck in this together and they're even though they're butting heads uh they're similar to a family uh speaking of family my dad's calling so mm-hmm. one second dad yeah what's wrong what you doing i'm filming the podcast with joe all right no big deal no he's doing a podcast no big brother bob good quality audio for uh yeah, for Hell yeah dude. you have the two brothers and then you have a father with his two kids and as they move together, it feels like one dysfunctional family. They play off each other really well. I think characters, for me, I really loved Harvey Keitel's character. I really love Quentin Tarantino's character. There's so many great characters. And then for fun, for funsies, I really liked Sex Machine. Oh, that guy's great. And I but- feel like if this movie was made today, he would 100% have had a spinoff movie. Yeah just that's just internet and culture the way it is right now i even think some of our bar scene characters like i'm kind of invested in them like we like like sex machine i like them it's so crazy how you can easily establish a character or at least have a little care even the black guy who's just like playing with the dominoes like i remember him i don't remember his name in the movie i don't even know the aver sade's name they cut to him a couple times and just watching his interactions with people it's like in total, it's probably like 40 seconds of like screen time. But it's just how movies are and the movie magic of it all and like writing. And what's funny, you notice uh, Danny Trejo, a young Danny Trejo in the in the bar. Who's Danny Trejo? That's um the guy that plays Machete. He's a uh, uncle. Oh, Machete I just call him Machete. He's Robert Rodriguez's cousin. Mm. And they didn't realize they were cousins on, until after they made this movie. Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, like we're not even talking about scenes or too much or anything like that. We're just talking about like everything around it, like just how it's being made. Cause it's a wild movie. And what a bold, like what a bold this movie has balls of steel, balls of lightning. I don't know what else to call it. To to just become a totally different genre of film. So it's from Dust Till Dawn, which just hearing the name already, I think, well, it's gotta be like a zombie or a monster flick, because that's like references to daytime. Mm-hmm. Is like such a thing, like Dawn of the Dead, Rise or whatever. Da, da, that's always like a reference to zombies. So I was expecting monsters. Then I'm like, that's still Dawn. Like this shit's a, it's a like a thriller. It's like a murder heist adventure. What do we? And then it's like what? Yeah. So it's just so crazy. I can't believe they did that. When uh, what's Sama Hayek? Is that her name? Yeah. When she just becomes a, I'm like, 
what? Like, is this in? I really thought this has to be in Richie's head. Like, there's no way this is happening. Yeah, um, Quinn Tarantino's character has a lot of hallucinations during the film of things he thinks is being said to him or things that yeah. they think is happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's like, yeah, I just literally Jimmy thought like clearly like this is wrong. Like it's been edited. Like I thought just something was wrong with the movie. Like there's no way this is happening right now. You're like, am and I it, at the Alpine and did something happen with the screen? <laughs> am I? Yeah, what, what's going on here? And then I'm just waiting for it to go back to normal. And then the whole bar reacts to it. And then they all change. I go, there's no way this is about to be. And then I haven't been this surprised in this, like in a movie in a long, long time. Crazy idea. And I love that they went for it. I think it's, it's genius because I'm watching this movie and they make it over the border. I'm like, so what's the rest of the movie? I'm not even halfway through. What could this movie be about? I, I had no idea. For the listeners, if you haven't heeded the warning about spoilers, the vampires don't clock in until i think about 50 or uh, 60 minutes into the movie yeah i'm like 35 minutes in and i'm like they cross the border what 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 do you do like so obviously i know something has to go wrong right there has to be some sort of problem i recommended it during halloween time so you know that there's some kind of horror involved i'll be honest with you dude like when they get there i'm like actually like is nick an idiot this isn't a horror movie (laughs) (laughs) like this kid's a moron like Dude, if I'm, am I watching the wrong from Dust Till Dawn? Where's the horror? We talked all last episode about Terrifier and yeah. how shock value, but just not even shock value, but just how surprising an audience, which is so hard today, not necessarily because the audiences have seen everything. There hasn't. It's just that people are getting lazy and doing the same cookie cutter stuff. So it's really refreshing when somebody does something new. I love this approach because every time that I myself as a writer step into the writer's room, I want to do something that not necessarily, I'm not like, you know, breaking new ground here, but I want to do something that is different. No, I agree with you. That's why I'm writing, uh, you know, my own personal like fantasy story book about like, I I'm, I'm hoping to write something that is, you know, not what you think is supposed to happen. Uh, really go against the grain. Yeah. Dust Till Dawn is truly doing something different. It's taking two things that I've probably seen in some way before, but putting them together makes it something totally brand new. And I genuinely don't think I've ever seen a movie like From Dust Till Dawn. The fact that you can have a giant tonal sh- shift and have it work. Yeah, no, I think I think everything is working in this movie. Uh, I think c- characters and writing is what's really killing it. I think editing is great. I think the only thing I am a little... The only thing, if I have any gripe with this movie, because I think everything he said is right, I even think our side characters, I love the set of the bar. Like, I didn't think I'd like a, I've never said that I enjoy the set. Like, I actually love the bar. Like, the whole aesthetic, like, the way it looks, I just love it. I wasn't a big fan of its CGI. Yeah. I I think that obviously hasn't aged well, but that's not on the movie. That's just on the limitations of its time. I think, however... What could have been better is if they went old school with it and did like the actual transformations from like the 40s and 50s of like the Wolfman and and um, from the classic like, you know, MGM black and white horror monster movies towards the end of the movie. I do like Harvey Keitel's ending, though. Mm-hmm. I do think that's uh, a really strong scene and it's probably one of my favorites. What scenes are sticking out to you? 
Um, the brother who I was kind of mad about most of the movie, um, I did enjoy. I thought it was a cool scene when the sister has to like, you know, kill him to save him. It's it's intense. I like the drinking scene a lot. That whole scene was really good. And then I like the the border scene. Oh, the border scene's great too. Yeah, that's a good one. What's funny is I don't know if you picked up on it, but um, do you know who Cheech Marin is? Well, isn't the border patrol guy the same as the as the guy in front of the bar and the guy who picks them up at the end. Yeah, that's all the same guy, right? Yeah, yeah. hysterical. Um, so, yeah, I thought he might have came up when you were talking about characters. But just to highlight the fact that he plays three parts and, like, no one is talking about it. So I had to yeah. bring it up. His best one is the guy in front of the bar, for sure. <laughs> that whole sequence. Tarantino, like, you know it's a Tarantino script where there's, like, just some string of uh lines that are just in that realm of crude and it's just hysterical that's like a monologue that you know we were talking about monologues right before this uh this we we started recording and that's one of the monologues that you would have not cut you would have been dying hysterical (laughs) oh that has that's like a staple i'm gonna be i've been quoting it it like under my breath to I just I this is a movie that needs to be watched a second time with you with you knowing what's about to happen. What does CGI stand for? I think I know what it stands for, but I feel like the common man he says it, but he doesn't actually know what it means. Well, I, how about I, how about you tell me what you think it means first? Because uh, I com- know what it means. Computer generated image. Yes, that's what it is. Is that really what it means? That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the clip. Man, I, I hit that mic like I was like Chris Brad with his hoodie. I feel like a rapper, Chris Brown, the mic's Rihanna. Pop. I was listening to Little Dicky earlier and I was just like, way to bring somebody back, you know, Chris Brown. There's a whole thing going on about how Rihanna did also strike Chris Brown too. And I don't know the full story here. So we're going to talk as very naive people who are just, you know, sure. skimming articles here. Yeah, from what I heard, both of them have smacked each other. Equal rights equal do rights. not equal equal fights here. And Chris Brown, uh, I don't know if he struck first, struck second, but he mm-hmm. definitely struck after uh, after Rihanna struck he him. Struck hard. So maybe he did strike first and she struck second, but he definitely struck third. And um, the whole world knows that. But yeah, from what I'm understanding, um, I think there's faults on both sides. It's similar mm-hmm. to the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard situation. And I think that's the only reason that Chris Brown was able to re-enter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, this uh, this podcast, very similar to Dustle Dawn, took a wild turn from movie review to uh, domestic abuse review <laughs> real fast. But... If you want a really good episode, <laughs> we should do the documentary for Amber Heard and, and Johnny Depp. Put me on, bro. <laughs> Run it. Yo, All right, ha- but- Halloween. Well, well, hold up, hold up. Because comedy, you know, works when we're when we're spitballing. Halloween episode, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard documentary, both of us dressed as a Johnny Depp character. Done. Oh. Amber Heard's worst nightmare. Yo, you can't let me watch stuff like that. That's like, that's too peak. The world isn't ready for an Amber Heard, Johnny Depp court trial review. 
because we're gonna start the episode with objectively speaking objectively speaking maybe there should be a third or second podcast what if this podcast just becomes court trials for movie stars and we just review them like were the stakes good how are the lawyers in it you know stuff like that how good was the documentary after the trial yeah yeah, yeah. like uh the follow-up to it you know the settlement you can be serious all right Speaking thoughts of follow-ups and, and yeah. setups, uh, settlements, uh, final thoughts and ratings. It should be no surprise here. That's why I'm going first. It is it is a movie by two very amazing filmmakers. I think it showcases what both of them can do with a very good cast. I think the pacing is on point. Everything about this movie works, even to the point where things take a turn. It takes a turn fluidly, at least for me. Felt like a B movie made on an A movie budget. So many quotable lines. Going to give it a five out of five. No surprise there from you, Nick. Five out of five. Could you imagine I did all that? And I was like one out of five. We're making it two. <laughs> uh, from Dust Till Dawn, I definitely was not expecting. I didn't know what to expect with this movie, and then the expectations were set, and then they were completely thrown out the window. Uh, what an interesting movie. I think it's probably one of the better picks you've given to me. Uh, the more that we talk about it, because there is so much to talk about, and you don't realize for what happens in the movie, there's so much to talk about um, because of how good, I mean, the writing is just impeccable. If you ever want to take a class in writing and can't afford it, just watch From Dust Till Dawn and take as many notes as you can. It is shenanigans that are, is for the benefit of the moviegoer. It's really hard not to give this. It like I pardon me, just feels like I want to you know give it a four just to be petty, but it is a five, and it's I uh, I hate to admit it, but it is it is a five out of five. Wow, your that B, hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, your B movie that, but it's like a B movie made with a quality. Like that's like a perfect description of the movie. I I really like that. That's a great way to put it. This has been an episode of Take 303. Thanks so much for watching. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Take.303. And make sure you're following us on Spotify. Make sure to leave a like, review, and rating. You can check out everything we're doing on Instagram. If you want to see when episodes are coming out, our 31 Days of Halloween is still coming out on there. Check out what we've been posting. We're about halfway through Halloween. This week's poll question is, who is your favorite character from Dusk Till Dawn? Is it one of the brothers? Is it the dad? Is it the daughter? We might throw another one in there. If not, out of those four, who's your favorite character? This week's question of the week is, what movie takes such a big turn for you? It starts off as one genre, turns into another one. Dust Till Dawn was this thriller character study and then turns this crazy action horror slasher movie. Is there a movie that does that for you? I'd love to hear it and read it. Because uh, maybe Nick and I will go watch it. So leave it down in the answers below. This has been episode three through three. Next episode, we'll be doing Killers of the Flower Moon and Shutter Island. We're going to need about eight hours of movies to watch everything. See you then. Bye bye.